Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening to you all. This is the Business Day Spotlight, your destination for African business made simple. My name is uh, Muriwa Gawaza, and for today, we are getting into quite an interesting space. It's something that we've touched on, um, you know, numerous occasions on this platform, and uh, that is the blockchain and uh, some of the, you know, applications uh, that uh, people are coming up with, you know, when it comes to the blockchain. We've had discussions discussions around cryptocurrencies, NFTs, um, you know, smart contracts, you know, all types of things uh, on this platform. But for today, we are looking at, you know, the issue of uh, how do you tokenize or how do you create, how do you create a, uh, I'm going to call it a stock exchange, uh, but for small businesses using, uh, you know, the blockchain and all of uh, the technologies uh, that are there. And uh, that, you know, brings us to a uh, local company uh, called Reality Company that is uh, tackling this problem and we're going to be trying to understand um, you know, how they've gone about this and why they've decided that this is uh, the problem that they want to tackle. So we are joined by Edward Cottrell who is uh, founder and CEO of uh, Reality Company. Edward, greetings to you today. Uh, Madiwe, thanks so much. Thanks for having us on board and uh, you know, letting us explain a little bit more about reality. Yeah. Um, I think maybe one of the things I'm curious about is, uh, before we begin, uh, do people call you Edward? Is it Ed? Is it like, well, how do they... <laughs> Uh, it's a it's a variety. Everyone's got a little bit of something. So Eddie Eddie usually Eddie. goes down pretty well, eh? All right, no, excellent. So we're going to be talking to Eddie, and I think a good place for us to start is understanding. You know, when we talk about uh, anything to do with the blockchain, um, you almost know that there is a big explanation that's about <laughs> to come your way. So I think let's let's get that part, you know, of the discussion, you know, d- done on this part. Reality company. What are you guys about? So, yeah, so I think, Mudiri, if I just explain kind of why before we even get into the how. Uh, the why was very simple. So I uh, worked for a firm for many years, decided I wanted to go on my own, and had a great opportunity. I needed to raise uh, north of $25 million, uh, quite a quite a big chunk of change, and that uh, uh, wasn't easily accessible. So it wasn't, some, it wasn't something I could easily gain access to. It wasn't uh, like doors were flying open for me. And... Uh, I learned very quickly that uh, being an entrepreneur uh, not just had uh, personal and, and, and financial implications, it also had uh, career implications. So if you didn't get it right, you lose everything pretty much. And so after going through that journey and, and successfully being able to establish our businesses and, and gaining traction, uh, I started realizing that, uh, that the crypto space had big access to capital, billions, trillion, uh, you know, trillion dollar industry. And so what we thought is how do we leverage that industry? How do we, how do we take that money from uh, resting in, in just in pure ide- ideas of technology and the idea of what it could be? And how do we translate that back into fiat currencies? Um, and how do we create something that allows people access uh, to that market? And, uh, and I think it's important to understand that that market makes up more than 65% of that market is retail. Um, and in most listed environments today, that's 80% of it comprises of wholesale. So there's a huge uh, divide between this retail and wholesale market. So we went down a journey and uh, we started trying to understand how to structure something like this. How do you take, uh, firstly, how do you 
use that technology, uh, the blockchain technology, which is, I mean, for all intents and purposes, all blockchain is is a ledger, uh, just managing and governing what transactions happen and when they happen. So it's, it's not like it's a vastly complex technology. It's, a, it's, it's an incredible technology and it has lots yeah. of use cases. So what we did is we went through a journey. We traveled through different jurisdictions to find out which would be the best jurisdiction to establish a company like this. And so we went through quite a big journey in understanding the, le- the legalities behind it. And so ultimately we, we figured out a way to tokenize equity, right? And to, yeah. to do it in such a way that it was genuine and legitimate. And so that was our first big hurdle is how do we tokenize equity that gives you the same entitlements and rights, the same um, um, leverage and the same um, voting rights that you would get if you owned a share certificate in a company. And that was the first big hurdle that we, that we had to get over, understand the technology, understand, um, like I said, the, the process to, to make something like that happen. And once we had that, we realized that we were able to take it to the next stage, which is uh, start tokenizing uh, businesses outside of just reality, you know, create tokenized equity for different businesses around the world and have those businesses trade in an environment that we create, uh, what we call the block exchange, where these companies are actually trading. So it's, it's, it's in the crypto space, but we're more traditional than we sound. We are a very traditional company. We have registered entities. These entities are... Um, are governed by the Financial Services Authority in the Isle of Man. They are regulated. So it's not like we live in, an, uh, you know, it's not like we're in this, uh, this kind of decentralized space floating around. We have a governance behind it and we have a board of directors behind it. We have real people. We have, you know, real advisors that, that sit there and, and tell us how we can do things, what we're allowed to do. So, so to, uh, to, to summarize what we do is our whole focus was to tokenize equity uh, of companies that wanted to list in our environment. By doing that, we open up an entire world for these for these entrepreneurs, you know, an entire world that never existed before, where you can tokenize your equity and you can sell it through multiple jurisdictions, through one platform, through different time zones. Um, you trade 24 hours a day. So you've got access to a global market, capital market, uh, that we just don't have access today for real companies, real businesses. Um, and I think that's very important uh, just to emphasize is that any company that lists in our environment, it's a real company. It's not a, it's not an idea of creating something that doesn't exist. It's a registered entity. It needs to be governed. It has to be regulated. It's not, our, our regulators would have a heart attack if we did it any other way. So, uh, I don't know if that explains it or if it's, uh, if I can get into, I mean, I could sit here for the, like you said, I could sit here for an hour <laughs> explaining it. <laughs> um, I think what you call this, the, the general idea, um, I think it's there. Um, you know, t- basically taking the idea of a traditional stock exchange and making it more accessible for, you know, smaller businesses that would normally not meet the requirements of a normal stock exchange, but also taking, um, I guess, tokenizing the idea of public ownership, you know, in a company. And uh, at least that's the way, you know, I'm understanding it on no, my end. I see. That's exactly what we've done, yeah. Yeah, so he's nodding his head. He's saying I'm right. So okay, that uh, that means uh, you know he's explained well. I've understood well. So we're on the same. Uh, what do you call this? We're on the same page. Um, I think one of the things that then you know some people might need to understand then is 
um, in the same way that you have uh, what you call this a bidding process on the traditional exchange in the tokenized environment like what you said because I am I'm asking this question off of you saying that you know you, uh, you guys are actually more traditional um, you know than what people would expect so is there that bidding up uh, process you know that we see bidding up and down process that we see on a traditional exchange for equity um, you know how does that work because obviously yeah uh, look that it would sorry it would work exactly the same way you know it's the what what people think the business is worth and what the business is worth are generally not always the same thing. Um, and people sometimes speculatively invest into businesses, looking into the future, saying what will it be worth, you know? And um, and it, nothing would be different here. The, the, I think the only thing that would really be different would be the fact that it's an entrepreneurial business led by entrepreneurs for entrepreneurs. Um, it's an ecosystem. It's a collective ecosystem of bringing people together. We're more like a like a massive networking environment to bring like-minded people together, capitalists and investors uh, to bring these people and, and join them together and have um, access to different markets and different environments. And so as far as what the, what the, what the environment would be like, it, you know, there would be, you would have to report your financials every quarter, same, nothing different from a traditional environment. It would be scrutinizing of those reported financials by a team. We've got quite a large team. Um, most of which is based in the Isle of Man. And so it's not like it's, uh, it's going to be any difference in that regard. The only difference is far less bureaucracy, uh, far less listing requirements. Um, and not only that, our strategy is quite simple, to give a business a grading and allow the market to decide if that business is a business they want to be involved in. Um, so it, it's a far less complex environment. For me, a lot of the listing environments around the world have become incredibly complex. and it's not something that Joe Soap, the everyday person getting into this environment, really understands completely. By the time they hear the news, it's too late. It's, you know, the, the big guys have already sold and they're jumping in now and they lose money. And, um, you know, there's, there's global stats that you can go to the FCA, the FSA, different um, regulatory authority bodies and, and, and get the stats directly off the website. More than 80% of retail investors lose money because they, they buy the news. So they're chasing that news and they don't actually have a connection to the business, which is a problem. So our environment, we, what we encourage is we encourage a connection. If you believe in the project, if you believe in the idea and it's something that makes sense to you, invest in that. We'll give you a grading. Uh, you know, we have, we'll only have two options available to list. You have a direct listing uh, or you have a, an IPO listing or what we'll just call a VC listing because IPO has a whole bunch of stigmas attached to it. And, you have a rating. It'll be a VC at a startup. We'll disclose the risks to the investors. They must understand they're investing into something where potentially they could lose every cent. They must be ready for that. Uh, but however, if the project succeeds, they, they get the commercial upside. And then we'll have an A, B, or C, or D rating on different companies that will, you know, depend on jurisdiction that the business is listed within. Um, and so, and and the quality of the business, the, the, the ability of the business, the commercials of the business. So, that's really our ethos behind is simplifying a stock exchange and using blockchain technology to leverage an international global market that doesn't have a closing time or an opening time um, that's multi-jurisdictional. And so uh, for Africa especially, I mean, you look at funding in Africa currently, it's a nightmare. There's some great projects, and I have a lot of projects on my table currently um, that 
they would they have such great ideas and concepts, but to execute those ideas, they need capital and they need proper amounts of capital. They can't be underfunded uh, because ultimately the project will fail anyway. And so the problem is that there isn't access for most of these, uh, most of these VCs uh, ideas and these concepts that are coming through the pipeline. Um, and I mean, with this South Africa going through this grade listing process now, we're going to struggle even further to get funding for startups and for new companies. Mm. So with that in mind, then uh, taking taking things uh, a little bit forward, uh, because now that we understand, you know, what uh, what the concept is, we've uh, we've sort of uh, we've sort of uh, gone a bit uh, into the weeds about the blockchain and stock exchange and equity markets um you know the issues that people are having in terms of raising uh, funds in south africa versus and uh, the rest of the continent etc you guys recently launched um you know uh, from my understanding is it um, in terms of the launch right is it a launch in south africa is it a launch internationally um that's the first thing and then secondly tied to that is uh you know since launch um you did say that there's real businesses uh that are listed here you know how is the performance so far you know how yeah how have you how have you guys been doing since that launch yeah so I think it's just important to understand we got the idea last year in november so <laughs> it uh, it wasn't very long ago I have an, I genuinely have an incredible team and incredible amount of people around us, um, and so we we hit this thing hard, and we we I traveled to all the different jurisdictions that we were interested in. We eventually obviously land in the Isle of Man. They're a triple A economy, and they're, they they're an incredibly respected, globally respected um, uh, regulatory environment. So the jurisdiction is very well regulated, and. Um, we knew we had to be, because we crypto, because we carry a stigma with us, because, you know, I mean, we, I'm sure you touch on FTX, you touch on any of these big names crumbling. The problem with 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 crypto is it carries a stigma off, off the bat immediately. So we knew we had to be well-regulated and we knew we had to be compliant to a point where investors would have some sort of confidence in the fact that the business is correctly run. So that's the first thing. Um, it took us a long time with the regulators to get them over the line. We had to put a lot of um, agreements in place to protect investors. Okay, and um, and so ultimately, it's, it's just to understand the structure of how it works. Uh, uh, we 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 um, went live on the seventeenth of October. We were ready to go live before then. Our technology, most of it, had already been developed, but we needed to make sure that the regulators were comfortable. So we went through a long process with the regulators. Okay, so how it works currently is. We take, uh, so if you put 100%, so let's say you put uh, one, one pound into reality, okay, we take 95% of that, that your capital, your investment, and we invest that with a fund manager, okay? So we invest that with, for example, um, our initial investors, Canaccord Genuity, on, based on the Isle of Man. And so we take 95% of the funds and we, get, we transfer that over to them and they invest it, Okay. Reality actually only has access. So Reality Holdings is based in the Isle of Man. We've got Reality Holdings. Underneath that, we have Reality Investments. Reality Holdings has 2 billion issued shares inside of it, okay? And we have 2 billion issued tokens. The tokens are released on tranches, and the shares are released on tranches. So uh, there's 12 tranches at like 2.8 million shares available, and there's 2.8 million tokens available. So there's this direct connection between the the equity and the and the token. So 
just to recap, we take 95% of the funds, we invest them in a very conservative portfolio. And the reason we do that is so that we don't go through what a lot of the bigger guys have gone through, where they're using these fractional reserve kind of calculations of what they think they need. Um, we, we say, let's go with like a proof of reserve. So let's prove to the public where we take their money, what we do with their money, and let's mitigate the risk of losing 100% of your money. Let's create a baseline value to the business where um, you know, we're only investing 5% into realities development, into the additional regulatory requirements, into the tech, into the running of the, of the business. So commercially, that's how the business is structured. And that's very transparent. Anyone can ask us. We will happily disclose any of that information because we've got nothing to hide, right? Um, so we, we launched, we raised a couple million again additionally um, on launch, and that was great. Uh, we, we, we've slowly been gaining momentum again. The business is in a nice position. And uh, it was, I think, again, I'll say this, it was well-funded from the beginning, and that's quite important. We, we raised all the, funding we, all the funding we needed in two days uh, in December. Um, with a group of um, like-minded entrepreneurs. So we never went to any big VC firms. We didn't try and uh, go rally funds from anyone that would be against our ethos. We literally went to uh, reputable, well-known entrepreneurs and we raised the capital that way. Uh, and so that was very important to us so we could maintain the integrity of our idea. And so, yeah, so things have been going well. Could they go better? Of course they could. I would love it. I would love nothing more than to be shooting the lights out, but we're definitely not shooting the lights out um, we're doing well and, uh, and we'll continue to grow and we're in a good financial position. So that's, that's, I think for a startup, that's as good as it gets. All right. And it sounds like uh, there's a lot going on already. Like you said, um, you know, being able to raise the funds that you did at the time that you did, but now, you know, the, the business being in a good position, um, how many companies have, uh, listed so far? No, so we've just listed ourselves. So we, all we're doing is proving ourselves. So we're just saying to the world, guys, this is what we're able to do. We're proving to our regulators that we're doing what we're saying. So we have to report mm. to them all the time and say, he has total number of tokens sold, total number of shares issued, uh, capital in, capital out. So we're still in that initial phase of our business. And yeah. we're not going to rush a listing. You know, we do have businesses currently. I had a meeting last week with a great idea, incredible idea. And, uh, the, the guy needs about a million dollars to get the business off the ground. And he's like, please, can we list it? And I'm saying it doesn't make sense to rush things when when all we could do potentially is hurt that guy's idea or hurt the business or hurt our own business. So we very, we, we've got a strategy. We've got a timeline. We're very focused on our timeline. We're very focused on our strategy. And we'll keep to that track. Um, and we've been able to achieve that for the most part. When uh, when I'm thinking about something like that, then how long does this initial phase um, actually last for? So we gave ourselves six months this initial phase, yeah, just to get everything in line, make sure that we're comfortable with our position, and make sure that we're comfortable with where we're going with the business. And then uh, after the six months, that's when you know you start getting outside companies to also then come in and you know st- start listing the exchange. So in terms of you know, one of the big things that tends to affect companies um, on traditional exchanges is liquidity, right? People are actually buying and and exchanging, you know, shares um, in a company. Uh, and I can imagine that since you guys have listed yourselves, how have you been driving that liquidity um, in terms of people actually, you know, I guess trading your shares in whatever tranches that have been made available? 
So, so look, at, at this stage, you, you, if you want to trade the shares, you can go into any one of the exchange portals like Uniswap, and you can trade it with a third party. And so it has very little effect on our liquidity environment. Our capital in is invested. The capital sits there. It's secure. Um, and so that's, that's how we've launched our initial stage. I, mean, I suppose similar to the way um, a big IPO would list in the U.S., the pre-sale of IPO um, would be locked away for 36 months or something like that. We haven't done anything like that, but we've created different portals uh, or, or environments for people to trade outside of coming back to us to trade. You think about the shortcomings of traditional markets and you're just wondering if some of those um, problems will sort of just inherently um, affect you guys or whether the fact that you guys have taken a blockchain approach then insulates you guys from some of these things. I'm thinking, for example, that uh, you have a company like what you said just now. Uh, they want to raise a million dollars. Let's say they put. Let's say they decide that we're going to put fifty percent of our our company on the exchange. That fifty percent becomes a free float. Uh, they raise a million. Um, you know, from that point of view, now you have a million dollars worth of shares now trading hands. You know, out there in the pub in the public market. Uh, for all we know. You know, they start, people start bidding it up, the traditional thing. It's going up, it's going up, it's going up. Maybe after a year, that same company is now worth, let's say, $10 million, right? But the shares that are being, you know, traded and swapped, uh, what you call this, traded and swapped, that money is in a, how can I put this? It's ring-fenced away from the company, right? Um, because it's it's money that it's 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 equity that's exchanging hands in the public market, um, but I always wondered that if you are in a tokenized environment, sort of, I'm thinking kind of NFT ish in my head, to say you know is there a possibility that um, because usually companies benefit from share price increases because it puts your it puts your market cap up. That's you know that's the main way they benefit. But if you're a small business, um, your your business might be valued very high, right? But you might still be you might still have challenges with liquidity, right? Uh, just simple liquidity, even just working capital, not even anything anything crazy. So I always wondered that you know is there an opportunity in a blockchain type of an environment where yes, the money is still trading in the in that in uh, in the public but for each token that is you know bought each time a token exchanges hands perhaps perhaps a cut of that uh, a small cut of that who knows one 50 basis points or something you know goes to <laughs> you know goes to the company you know just you know so that they are also benefiting from any you know value you know, uh, value accretion that's happening on that side. You know, it's just one of those thoughts. You know, when I think, you, yeah. I think the, I get I get what you're saying, and I think the the beauty of blockchain is that it's incredibly versatile. And uh, and I mean, this is why JP Morgan just did their first big transaction this or last week or this week, I think it was that they did their first transaction on the blockchain because they're seeing the benefit of it. So there are so many mechanisms that you can add into this environment, and there's so many. Um, points that you could leverage where you're able to charge a fee, you're able to, um, especially if they're trading in your environment, you're able to charge fees. And there's, there's, 
there's an you have this ability to to be quick and, and efficient and also be creative that you wouldn't never have that same level of creativity if you were listed on a traditional exchange. Okay. And I, I don't pretend to know exactly what our every idea that we, in every business we're going to list is going to look like. And that's half the excitement for me is that we want creative ideas. We want people to come in with incredible concepts and we want to develop those concepts for them. And so this is why we're not traditional. And I've, I've seen a whole bunch of big listed guys recently, like last week, I think it was big uh, crypto companies going out and say, look, we think of buying out an entire, an entire stock exchange. And then we're going to kind of use this token. So we, we came up with the idea first, they busy trying to come up with a different idea. And they say, we'll go buy an exchange. And for me, that doesn't work. You're either going to reinvent the wheel and you're going to create something incredible and you're going to fix the problems of the past and you're going to um, be inventive outside of the confounds of what's already been established uh, and, and change things for the better. Or you're just going to go buy an existing exchange, throw some blockchain technology out and say, hey, we've done it. But what's changed? There's no difference. You know, I, for me personally, this is really about the connection between this huge uh, almost like an unbelievably passionate market of retail investors um, and entrepreneurs. And then bringing these two parties together to create this bridge uh, between capital raising and investment into a business um, and also buy into the business. And I, and I often use this analogy. Imagine you launch a business, right? And, uh, um, and, and you get 100,000 investors that come into your business and they fund your business. Because remember, a retail investor can bring a thousand rand. They can bring ten dollars. They can bring two euros. There's no limitation. You know, you can put a million dollars in. So, because of how efficient blockchain is, and because of the affordability of blockchain, people can invest small amounts of capital, big amounts of capital, uh, instantly. And so, imagine you had a hundred thousand investors that hit your hit your business, and they love your business, and they buy into your business. You now have a hundred thousand in clients. I mean, you have now a hundred thousand users of your product. So you, you've got a community of people that, that massive companies are paying millions and tens of millions of dollars to build that community, to build that audience, to build that, that, that database of people that like their products. You now go to a market and the very people buying your product or investing in your product are the very people buying your product. You know, and that's only possible with retail investors. It's not possible in a wholesale environment. It's not possible in, in a traditionally listed environment. And so, um, you know, just to get back to your question, it, we're able to adapt and we're able to develop. I have an incredible development team and, and they forever coming up with new ideas. And they always saying, why don't we do this? Why don't we change this? Uh, I don't think that day goes past where we, have, where we don't have a new deployment in our, in our environment. And, and I'm proud of that. I'm proud of what, what my team have done. Sounds like, uh, you know, uh, there's, uh, there's a lot of opportunity, at least, uh, at least from a flexibility point of view, uh, for you guys to use the next six months to actually, you know, fine tune things before, um, you know, some of the, uh, some of the outside companies actually start to come, um, you know, and list there. And also, you know, just, uh, you know, all the thoughts around, you know, the, how blockchain can actually help you, uh, to optimize and make certain things work way more efficient uh, than they would than they would normally be um, in normal sense so as we are rounding up um, you know Edward big issue 
um, is how are you guys thinking um, around, um, because once again, traditional exchanges, they have listing requirements, sizes, thresholds, all of that. Um, you said earlier on that these are going to be real businesses. Um, you know, is there a stage at which, you know, m- most people use uh, revenue as a threshold, you know, all of these things. How are you guys thinking about, you know, who, what size company ends up uh, actually uh, coming onto your exchange just so that you avoid, you know, uh, people that are trying to fund an idea, uh, quote unquote. Yes. No, look, it's a very valid point. And, and I think that's a point that, you know, we, we often debate around because I'm, I'm, of the, I'm on the other side of that where, you know, I, I've heard incredible ideas. I've heard people with amazing concepts. And, uh, and I'm telling you, they could be million-dollar ideas. And, and I sit, there, sit at the table with these people and I feel so, so sorry for them because, you know, there's just not enough people around them that believe in their idea because they are the jockey and there's no one backing them, right? So I, I, I would love to list every business, but it's not going to be possible. We know that. There is definitely going to be a commercial threshold of an affordability rate, right? If it's not a VC, if it's not a startup, and it's a business that wants to do direct listing, commercially you've got to be able to, to be able to have some asset or some value to list. It needs to be something that people want. And uh, I think one of the ideas that we've had, and we've already we've actually tested it with reality. So we everything we talk about, We've done it with reality. We, we know if it works or doesn't work. And we've known in the past if it didn't work and if it did work. So we've got some, we've got ourselves as the, as the test bed, right? And one of the things we, we're definitely going to do is we're going to say to people, look, you know, he has the, he has a listing requirement. Uh, Want to keep it down to like seven, eight pages. Uh, the JC came out the other day and said, no, we've got a new listing requirement for, for small businesses. And I think it's 47 pages. So, you know, we, we definitely we definitely want something that uh, someone can read in a single day to understand. And uh, once you once you come into that environment, commercially, there's cost. There are. I mean, you, you know, you have to appoint a director. We have to do a due diligence on the business. Uh, you know, we've got to understand the business. We've got to get an assessment done on the business to make sure it is a commercially sound business. Because I'm not going to go list a business that's insolvent. Um, just for the sake of that person saving their own bacon. It's not, that's not what we're in here. We're in the game of listing good businesses to make them great businesses, right? That's what it's about. Uh, and so there will definitely be a listing requirement. There will definitely be a, a threshold. Um, and if the business doesn't meet that threshold, well, then they're going to have to either come to us with a capital idea to say, look, we'll raise the capital until we meet that threshold and we'll give them a grading for that. Okay. Um, however, we, we also, unlike the VC side, if they, if they send us an idea, we love the idea. Uh, I mean, we're we're all a group of, I would like to say, wild um, entrepreneurs that always love good ideas. So if we if we like the idea, we will go back to that idea as reality. We'll help them list the idea, and we'll take an equity inside of that business to help them with that. Because remember, we're an investment company. That's what we're there to do. We're there to, to gain returns. We're not just there to list businesses, right? So um, that, that's kind of what we envision happening. The other thing that um, we're busy with now, we're hoping to launch in the next week or two, is we took a lot of our investors and the people that are involved in our community that backed our project, and they, they, most of them are very well-known entrepreneurs. And we said to them, how do, we, how do we create a community where we help entrepreneurs or aspiring entrepreneurs? You know, how do we mentor people? So we're putting a mentorship program together now. Uh, initially, it's very simple. Uh, be, you know, uh, the profile of the person, who the person is, and they will share their stories. 
they're going to, they've got a blog post. They can write about who they are, what they are. This is their experiences. So every month they'll give us a piece that gives a little bit of who they are, what they are, and on a personal level to explain their journey. And so some of these guys are, are in, in the motor industry. Some of these guys are in insurance. And we've got someone in the marine game, you know, sells, <laughs> sell high-end yachts and boats and all sorts of things. So we've got a very diverse um, cal- a, a range of, of people involved as our community, and they're respected and they're well-known. And so we're going we're gonna to open these people up and let the people that are involved in the reality have a community of, of mentors that they can learn from, mentors that, you know, they can reach out to. And so this is kind of a, the bigger picture, right, about it's not just the listing environment. It's not just the business. It's how do we join all these little facets together to create a community of entrepreneurs, a community of investors, where we all work together for like a common objective and a common goal. All right. So that brings us to the end, um, you know, of this uh, fascinating discussion just around um, how reality companies looking, um, you know, to uh, upend uh, the idea of uh, what it means to list a business and public ownership in a company using uh, using the blockchain. Um, and also, you know, how continuing uh, this debate around funding in uh, in South Africa, particularly around small businesses, uh, for me, my interest always tends to be around startups because I feel like uh, startups, uh, technology startups in particular, need way more funding for the most developed, um, for the most developed um, economy on the continent. Um, South Africa should be taking in uh, way more startup funding than they do, um, you know, currently at the moment. Five million, five billion dollars in 2021 in startup funding that came to the continent, you know, as compared to over 160. Billion dollars, um, you know, in the United States, and only 16 or so percent of that uh, five billion coming to South African startups. And in a lot of cases, because um, some of these companies, the likes of uh, Yoko, the likes of Jumo, the likes of uh, Go One, you know, all of these companies having um, an international edge or advantage to them, you know, how do we help, you know, some of the companies that don't have that? Um, you know, to access uh, some of the funding, particularly when you're in that scaling stage, uh, that tends to be a huge uh, burden for a lot of founders out there. So, you know, hoping uh, that this is going to be a solution, um, you know, that actually brings, um, you know, some of those tangible benefits to the market. So that's been it. We were talking to Edward uh, Cottrell, who is a founder and CEO over at Reality Company. Edward, thank you so much for being with us today yeah thank you for having me i appreciate it this is mudiwa's take Great conversation, uh, in a very interesting idea, and uh, waiting to see how this one transpires over time. Um, like I said, you know, the issue of funding um, uh, your startups, your small businesses—it's a big issue. And um, you know, obviously, for a, a solution like this uh, to come to the market, it's likely going to first be your more technology-aligned type of companies that uh, will likely be the earlier 
adopters before uh, you know some of the other industries so you know hoping that uh, you know they they do execute uh, because like I said the idea great uh, but execution is definitely uh, going to be going to be key going forward uh, all the time we have uh, new ideas and some of these new ideas who knows um, this might be uh, the idea that helps to um, you know upend that's a word that we used earlier on uh, the idea of public ownership um, you know some of these companies there's already a big debate um, around uh, the JSC and the place of the JSC to house um, you know some of these fast growing um, technology companies and the like um, all of these proposals and people starting exchanges in Cape Town all of that so clearly there's a need in the market people are seeing this problem but going forward who's going to win the race is there a race or are people going to have maybe a unified approach uh, where all of these different types of exchanges all succeed uh, because of uh, whatever niche offering they're able uh, to offer to the market to be good you know once uh, some a couple of businesses you know list going forward uh, maybe get some case studies just to see you know what type of businesses you know do come in and um, how things do develop going forward And that's been it for this edition of the Business Day Spotlight. Remember that you can find our latest podcast on Business Live. That's under the podcast Business Day Spotlight tab on Twitter. We're hashtag BD Spotlight. And remember that you can review and subscribe for free on iono.fm, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, or wherever you choose to get your pods casted. Thank you to our amazing team. Our producer is Paige Muller. I've been Murio Gavaza of the Business Day and Financial Mail. And this has been another edition of the Business Day Spotlight which is a multimedia live production. So for myself and the rest of the team, it is a good evening, good afternoon, and good morning.